All right, so we are in week one of our new series entitled Master's Class. Now, I know last week, if you were watching, you're like, wait, we're supposed to be in a series called um, I'm Saved. Now what? Um, God had been ministering to me and said that he wanted us to run two series at the same time. Um, and so we're going back and forth from, you know, I'm saved. Now what to uh, math to the master's class? Um, we're going to go back and forth, back and forth between those um, as it gives us an opportunity to do um, something that I basically um, am a very, um, very uh, passionate about, which is biblical literacy. Um, it gives us an opportunity to learn how to read our Bibles better um, and in doing so help us to become better Christians by virtue of learning how to and appreciating um, the scriptures um, as they are written and um, and what they are trying to say to us. And so it's a big thing for me um, that we as the, the believers in God are more biblically literate um, because I feel that that's a very, very, very dangerous area for us to um, not be honing our skills and our um, knowledge in, in terms of knowing our Bibles and, and being able to read our Bibles well. So, um, so that is why we're going back and forth between those topics so that we can, um, so that we can, so that by the grace of God, let me not say by me, by the grace of God, we are able to, um, you know, become more biblically literate um, in how we read our Bibles and what we are interpreting from the Bibles as the spirit would give us utterance of interpretation. So we are in, again, week one of our master's class series. Um, what we want to do in this series is we want to examine the parables of Jesus, the master himself. Um, what was he teaching his disciples and teaching the crowds and teaching unbelievers about the kingdom of God? Um, we want to do a deep dive into several of his um, several of his teachings so that we can understand and unlock the mysteries of the kingdom of God as he made them plain and put him in plain view for us to see. Uh, but as always, like how I do, um, before we jump into any of the parables, we want to do kind of an introduction of what the parables are and what they mean and why he taught in parables to begin with. And so to begin our um, to begin our study, we want to go into Matthew chapter 13 and allow Jesus to speak for himself as it pertains to why he taught in parables. Matthew chapter 13, um, starting in verse 10. Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 10. Again, for those who are following along, Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 10. It says, then the disciples came to him and came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given for the for to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables 
because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they in their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So what we see right off the bat is that Jesus spoke to people in parables uh, for the primary reason of sharing the secrets and wisdom and knowledge of the kingdom but he shared them in a way to where the people that were meant to hear it would hear it and those who weren't wouldn't there in the in the in the time that they lived in their righteous pharisees the self-righteous pharisees sadducees sanhedrin zealots they all thought they knew these the scriptures frontward to backward and let's call a spade a spade they did like they could beat all of us in a Bible study challenge in a heartbeat because they were from childhood taught to memorize all of the Old Testament. Like they didn't just read the Old Testament and know a couple of scriptures here and there. They had the whole books memorized. Like Dave, you asked them what's in Leviticus and they didn't have verses back then, but if they did, what's in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 10? They could tell you because they had whole books memorized. So they knew the scriptures frontward to backward. And yet, even in their knowing the scriptures, they still missed Jesus. They still missed him. And for a lot of us, even as believers, we can know a whole lot of word and still not know Christ. We can, we can know a whole lot of stuff from Genesis to Revelation, but still not know who Jesus is and still not have an intimate relationship with him. We can have a better intimate relationship with our Bibles than we do the God of the Bible. And Christ was letting us know that the reason that he teaches in parables is because for those who wish to understand and those who wish to have, um, to have greater understanding, they have to have a connection with him. That head knowledge alone is not enough to know the secrets of the kingdom. To know the secrets of the kingdom, you have to know the king of the kingdom. In order to know the secrets of the kingdom, you have to know the king of the kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we find these words here that tell us that the connection that we have with God is imperative for us to, to have so that we are then connected to the one who gives us the secrets to the kingdom. He says to us in, um, in um, verse number six of chapter, so 1 Corinthians chapter two, starting at verse number six, 
as an aside, I'm trying to work on this thing where I give you guys an opportunity to follow along with me because I go really fast. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, catch this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So God dulled the ears of those who could have heard him in order so that Christ could get to the cross. So that is a primary reason why there were people who were righteous zealots of the God, of the Bible, of the, of the scriptures at the time, because our Bible hadn't been fully canonized of the scriptures, but their ears were still dull. And their ears were dull, whether it was the Romans or the Jews, because had they heard Jesus when he was talking to them, they never would have crucified him. He never would have got he never would have been put on a cross and died for our sins. So things had to happen the way they did in order to get Jesus to the cross. People often wonder, why did Judas have to betray Jesus? Because if there was no betrayal, Jesus would have never got to the cross. Jesus would have never been crucified, never would have died for our sins, never would have rose again. Things had to happen the way they did. And yet and still, even after that, even Jesus rose again from the dead. Jesus was the, you know, he conquered hell, came back. Those same righteous zealots were still unrighteous by virtue of still not believing in Jesus. So though we can, you know, feel bad for them for having been a part of the orchestration, even after Jesus rose from the dead, a lot of them still didn't believe. And so, again, if they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord. And yet, even in the midst of that, we still need a connection with the Lord Jesus. For as it is written in verse number nine, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit. So it's not through head knowledge. It's not through goosebump feelings. It's not through our righteous works, but it is by the spirit of God by which we are able to then rightfully discern, rightly discern the parables of Jesus and anything that Jesus is talking about, whether it be parables or whether it just be the Bible in general. In order for us to know what the scriptures are saying to us, we have to have a connection, a relationship with the God of the scriptures. It's not enough to just know scripture. There's a lot of people who know scripture better than us as believers. But the difference between an unbeliever and a believer is not head knowledge of scripture, but it is a relationship with the Lord. For only, our, only through our relationship can we rightly discern anything that God is telling us in the scriptures and throughout our lives. The spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths 
to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Go back to verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. As I'm as even in I, and I can testify to my, for my own self, as I am walking in this new space that God has, you know, ushered, you know, me in in terms of doing the true gospel morning show and things of that nature. One of the things that I run into a lot of is getting is, you know, getting into conversations with unbelievers and those conversations can easily turn into debates where we're going back and forth trading barbs. And God has had to minister to me a lot to remind me that people who do not have a relationship with God are not going to understand anything about God. They're not going to understand anything about Jesus. They're not going to understand anything about the nature and the character of us as it relates to God. And as a result, they will continue to sit in um sit on thrones of self-righteousness and will not submit to the righteousness of God by virtue of not being in connection with him. And this is indicative in Romans chapter 10, because Romans chapter 10 tells us in the word um, that um, starting at verse number one of Romans chapter 10, my brothers, my heart's desire in prayer to God for them is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, talking about spiritual knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So for a lot of us, we have an idea of what good and bad is. Right and wrong is good and evil is. And if we're not submitted to to God, we will think that we know better than God does. And as a result, we will get into debates with we can sometimes get into debates with people who do not have a walk with him in an attempt to try to prove them wrong and prove us right. But God tells us unless they have a relationship with him, they are not going to discern anything Jesus says. They're not going to discern anything that we say about the Lord. They're not going to discern why we have a walk with him. They're going to believe everything that they want to believe to justify their position aligned against God. So God tells us, Christ tells us, in order for us to understand what he's telling us, we must have a relationship with him. And how do we know this? In Matthew chapter 17, no, Matthew chapter 16, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples and asking them, who do men say that he is? Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I say that the son of man is? Then they said, some say John the Baptist. 
Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, you know, he always going to be a bold one. He always going to be the one to step up first. Like, I know who he is. <laughs> Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So again, Jesus is saying you have to have a connection with the father and that connection with the father comes through the son. As Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. And by that connection, you are then able to rightly discern who Jesus is and all that Jesus says, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he loves, what he hates, the whole nine yards. We cannot know the mind of God without being connected to the mind of God, that connection being done by Christ himself. And so we cannot spiritually discern the parables unless we are connected to the God of the parables. This is why Jesus says in John chapter three, um, starting, I'm read, starting with verse one, John chapter three, verse one, that in order for us to be a part of the kingdom of God, it cannot be by our works. It cannot be by our um, by our intellect. It cannot be by our influence. It cannot be by our possessions. It cannot be by our good deeds. But we must be born again. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a parable, by the way. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say it to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how could these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? That's him explaining parables again. Um, no one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Here's our favorite verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And here's my favorite verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. 
For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So what is he saying? If we want to understand the parables, we have to be connected to him. We have to be born again. We must be born again. Repentance and belief is a non-negotiable when it comes to understanding Christ and all that he's accomplished for us. You cannot expect to understand who Jesus is and not have a relationship with him. You cannot expect to understand anything that God teaches, anything that God has done, anything that God has accomplished and not have a relationship with him. Now, I am not saying that we just gonna, we're just going to have a relationship with him and then we start to begin to have the knowledge. No, but what we're saying is the closer in connection you are with him, when he does the work of saving and redeeming us, the more we can expect to learn more about him, that it goes hand in hand. When we go to church and we're hearing things about God and we're not quite understanding the things of God, you know, we may not have a fullness of understanding of him, but God can use something as simple as Jesus saves to save somebody. He can use something as simple as repent for the kingdom of heaven is a hand and someone can give their lives to Jesus. You don't have to have a robust understanding of who Jesus is in order to have a relationship with him. Now, some people have. That's what it took to get them to, to get them over the threshold by the power of God. But that is why we as the believers get out of God's way and let him do the work of salvation. Let him decide what does a person need? What is a person? What does a person need to have in order to have a walk with him? Some of these people were knocked off their horses and blind, and their eyes blinded before they had a relationship with God. Some people, you know, were forgiven of their sins before they had a relationship with God. Some people were healed of blindness and healed of deafness before they had a relationship with God. Some people had a relationship with God just by knowing God, you can do it. You might not do it, but you could if you wanted to. Some people, they, they, they knew salvation was coming and they just said, just remember me when y'all come and destroy this place. Okay. Just remember me and my family and we will rock with y'all. Some people had to lose their whole husbands in order to rock with Jesus in so, well, rock with God in so much that wherever you go, I go, whatever God you serve, I serve. I'm rocking with you. And all throughout scripture, we see God meeting people where they are. And changing their hearts where they are. Some people had to have their hearts hardened for seven years before they finally gave their lives over to God. Whatever God had to do in order to get them over the threshold, that's what he did. That's why he says we got to get out of the way and allow God to do his work. For as it says in Ezekiel chapter 36, he didn't say the pastors are going to change the hearts. He didn't say the pastors are going to, um, you know, going to change the hearts of stone, the heart of flesh. He didn't say, you know, that by, you know, by, um, by, um, you know, you giving your hand to the pastor, that's what's going to change your heart. God said, no, I'm going to do that work. He says to, um, he says to the, to the people of Israel in Ezekiel chapter 36, starting with, um, starting with verse 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness 
and from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He says that he will do this work. And that it's not it's not our job is to the job that God has given me and people like me and all the disciples is to just present the gospel in both word and deed. But it's not our job to save anyone. It's not our job to redeem anybody. It's not our job to do the work of cleaning somebody up. We just we bring the fish in. But it's God's job to clean them. It's God's job to cook them and make them. That's not our job. That's his job. We just bring them in. And so God tells us that if we're going to understand his parables, if we're going to understand the things that he wants us to know about him, we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We must have a relationship with the Lord for it's only through our relationship with him. Can we rightly discern what it is that he's saying when he talks, when he speaks? More importantly, and we'll talk about this in greater detail the, the more we move into the parables, the parables cannot mean for us what they did not mean for them. And this is the big issue that we as believers can have. Not talking to the unbelievers, I'm talking to the believers. We sometimes can bring our thoughts and our ideas and what we want scripture to say to the Bible and then make God say what we want him to say rather than letting him speak for himself. So when we read these parables and when we read these teachings, it is so important that we not mistake, you know, his thoughts for our thoughts. Because our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. And if we're not careful, we will mistake the truth about God for a lie and end up subliminally, subconsciously, or maybe even overtly in knowing this, worshiping creation rather than creator. You'll have some people, for example, who will take the parable of the, of the talents and will believe that to mean that it's talking about our skills and our gifts and our abilities and tell people that if you don't use your skills and your gifts, you're going to end up losing what God gave you. And that's not what that parable is representing. Rather, that parable is talking about the gospel message that he has given to each and every one of us and our responsibility to spread that gospel message to as many people as we can in both word and deed. But we'll talk about that another day. The point is, the parable, if it cannot mean for us what it didn't mean for them. So we got to be ever so careful that we let the spirit do its job. And show us and teach us and tell us what are these parables saying so that we can have a relationship with the Lord, a right relationship with the Lord and be able to spread his gospel message rightly so that people are giving a proper choice whether to rock with him or not. So, again, we got to be careful not to bring our own ideas to the scriptures. And in bringing our own ideas, warp and twist the word of God so that people know Jesus, the real Jesus for themselves and can make a decision by virtue of God knocking on the door of their hearts and saying, will you let me in? So, again, saying all this to say, in order for us to move forward in our in our walk with God, we must ensure that we are believers.
We cannot know what God wants us to know without him. And so you may be one of those who have been searching and been trying to understand who is God, who is Jesus. And you've heard it from this person and that person and this person who's been saying this about God, that about God. You may have run up on some Christians who were not showing the type of love that God has told us to show. And it may have given you a warped view and a warped idea of who Christ is. May have heard somebody say some things that ain't that ain't godly. And as a result, been like, I can't rock with God if that's how Christians going to be acting. They act like that. I'm not supposed to be out here in the world. You know, you may have been trying to figure this thing out, but trying to figure out and decipher scriptures and trying to figure out, you know, all these certain things. The challenge and the question, the question and challenge I have for you all is. Have you truly submitted your life to Jesus? Has God done the work of transformation in your heart so that you actually have a real relationship with him? Only you can know that. I, I don't I can't. I, I tell people all the time. I don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in for fruit inspectors. But there are people who are going to have a shallow faith. But that shallow faith, the size of a mustard seed is enough to get them into the kingdom. You're going to have people whose faith is deep. I guess you'd be down here deep and you're going to have some people whose faith is shallow. <laughs> I know which way I'm supposed to go. But what matters is not how deep your relationship is. What matters is who you're in relationship with. If you have a relationship with the Lord, if you have submitted, if you've repented, which is, again, denouncing your allegiance and affections to anything else and setting God at the uppermost. And then pushing all your chips in with Christ. I, I, everything that he says I am, everything he says I'm not, everything he says that I can do, everything he says that I can't do, everything that he loves, everything that he hates. I am submitting my life to his kingdom principles, his lifestyle being molded and shaped into him. If you have repented and believed, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that God rose him from the dead, you are saved. That is freely given. Now, as we said before, it's going to come with a price after salvation. After salvation, you're going to have to give some stuff up. But that's another conversation for another day. The point is, whether you have the basic level of faith, if all you believe is Jesus saves, that's all you need to get in the kingdom. So whether your faith is shallow or whether it's deep, you have to have a connection with the Lord. But God promises that the connection that we have with him can grow. The knowledge that we have with him can grow, can expand, can be so expansive if our connection with him is genuine, authentic, and true. So I challenge all of us today. Do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with him? For only in your relationship with him can you truly know who he is and what he has accomplished. And furthermore, sit down at his feet and learn from the master himself. And that is the basis of our series and what we're going to be getting into from now till we finish sometime at the end of the year. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. And we're just thankful, God, that you have given us this connection with you. We're asking, Lord God, that you remind us that our connection with you is not tethered to our works. 
It's not tethered to our righteousness. It's not tethered to our good deeds. It's not tethered to our connections. It's not tethered to our influence, not tethered to our resources. But God, it is all about your finished work on the cross. What you did for us on Calvary when you died and rose again on the third day, Lord God, that if we believe in you and repent of our sins, we can have a relationship with you and be given the secrets of the kingdom of God, which you've made plain and put you put in plain view for any and everyone to see if they are connected with you for these things are spiritually discerned. So we're asking, Lord God, that you search our hearts. Anything that's not like you, Lord, pull it out, do the surgery, whatever's necessary to make us more like you, mold us and shape us into the image of your son from one degree of glory to the next. Lord God, help us to be more like you in our walk, in our talk, in our thoughts, in our feelings, in our actions, Lord, whatever it is that we're doing, Lord God, be preeminent in our lives, be above, be below, be inside and be outside of everything that we say and do so that we can be more like you every day that we live and every breath that we breathe. Lord God, we're asking that you just continue to saturate our hearts and our minds and just fill us with your love, fill us with your grace, fill us with your knowledge, fill us with your wisdom, fill us with your peace, fill us with your joy, fill us with your patience, fill us with your self-control, fill us with your, your kindness and your meekness and your gentleness, Lord God. We are just grateful that you have given us all of these things freely given by Jesus Christ. Lord God, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of the things that we've done that have not been like you. Help us to stay aligned with you, to stay tethered to you, to stay turned into your face and help us to seek those things that are above and to put those things that are not like you to death by clothing ourselves with the righteousness that you have given us, Lord God. We're thankful on today for every person who has been watching, every person who is listening upon the sound of our voice. Lord God, I ask and pray that you just continue to be a blessing upon us all in a mighty and powerful way. Strengthen us and encourage us to be the children of God that you have called us to be. And remind us, Lord, that when Christ got on that cross and died, he said, it is finished. And we'll be so careful to give your name all praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.